welcome to Our Jackson Home. This week I am joined by Jim Farrell. He's the president and the CEO of the Jackson Energy Authority. Jim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, Jim, I was telling you this in the pre-show. Um, you're the CEO of one of the most important parts of Jackson, and I don't know that I've ever seen you in public before, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show. So why don't you introduce yourself uh, to the listeners? Okay, I'm Jim Farrell, born and raised here in Jackson, Tennessee. Graduated from Jackson Central Mary and uh, many years ago, and uh, met my wife here, and uh, we married and have three kids, and uh, spent a lot of my time uh, running around chasing them the last several years. They're involved in uh, club soccer and uh, high school sports and band activities, so mm -hmm. we spend a lot of time with that. Yeah, um, Jim, how do, how does one get to be the CEO of a local? public utility company? Well, it, it's kind of a long story, but I, I started there in college. I was working in what they call the co-op engineering program, where we take college students that are in engineering and we have them come and work, and then they go to school and they go back and forth each semester for a while. So I had some experience doing that. Where'd you go to school? Uh, University of Tennessee at Knoxville. Okay. And I was in electrical engineering there. And so when I graduated, uh, right about the time I was graduating, uh, someone was leaving the company that was an engineer. So I came in, I worked in the engineering side of the business uh, for about eight years. And then after that, uh, we have a group that monitors all of our systems, electric, gas, water, wastewater, all the broadband systems. And so uh, I thought it was really interesting. I had a lot of experience with that through some of the tornado events and mm -hmm. ice storms that we'd had. I had some experience doing some of that. So. I moved over to operations and I spent about 12 years in the operations side of the business. And when I went over there, I got exposure to a lot of different things, our water and wastewater systems, our gas systems, uh, pretty much every, every aspect of the business I got to touch for a little bit. Uh, also, uh, we were a little shorter in engineers, so I got to do a lot of building projects when I was there. So I got to know some of the senior management through some of the building projects. So. Uh, I think it was in 2010, we had several of our top management that was getting ready to retire. Uh, you hear this about the baby boomers, and we had several of them going it mm -hmm. in a very short period of time. So uh, I was promoted to the senior uh, vice president over the electric division. And so I was in that position for about six months when uh, Danny Wheeler, who was the president at the time, announced he was going to retire. So I put in for the job just like anybody else would for yeah. an interview, thinking that I was going for some experience and just you know, just to practice, just to practice run. And you know, I had a lot more experience than some of the others as far as in all yeah, the different 20, fields. 20 years and yeah, and so they picked me. And so for the last six years, I've been president and CEO, and it's been a great time. That's that's um, that's really neat. So. Well, tell us, so you said you were there during some of the tornadoes. So I guess 20 years you've been through both of the tornadoes. Been through all the tornadoes, a couple of the ice storms. Uh, what, I feel like oh, people don't think about, one of the things about utilities, people don't think about them until something goes wrong. Right. What is, what is, a, what is a tornado situation like at a utility company? Well, you know, you're, you're sitting there and you're watching all the weather uh, information that's coming in so you're kind of building anticipation for it and then uh, you know, we have a lot of our electric system is, is above ground a lot mm -hmm. of the primary system is above ground because it's too costly to put everything underground 
And so when you have events like this, a lot of times you have trees that fall into it, you have a lot of wind. And normally we're okay up to about 40 mile an hour winds. And once you see the winds get above that speed, that's when we start having hmm. a lot of trouble. And with tornadoes, uh, it, it's pretty interesting. We'll, we start getting information in from customers and from our folks that are out in the field. And you can just plot it on a map, all the damage hmm. locations. And I know in the, uh, I think it was the 98 tornado, you know, the, the uh, emergency management guys came over to the office because they'll come in there every once in a while. And I had it plotted on there, and they're like, what, what is that? And I said, well, that's the exact line <laughs> of the tornado because I can tell you exact damage spots for we may have poles that are broken. Or, you know, you can tell the difference between a little bit of wind or when a tornado because it just yeah. completely destroys uh, the infrastructure. So, it, you know, once it hits, it takes about probably two, you know, a day to maybe two days to really get a handle on how big it is. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you're doing the first day or so is trying to figure out, can you handle it with your in-house folks or do you need to call for help? There's not really anything you can do up until the damage happens, other than like build the systems. You know, what we do is we try to get all of our crews to come in early, usually the day before, and Mm -hmm. be sure that their trucks are stocked up with a lot Mm -hmm. of the supplies Mm -hmm. that we use. Uh, Be sure that all of our backup generators are running because, I mean, our office has got to continue to run yeah so we want to be sure everything's in operational shape and uh, there's not beyond that there's not a lot you can do to prepare for it mm. okay you mentioned people coming over to the office and i've had the privilege of getting to tour this but the the myth well before i went to tour is this mythological bunker yeah can you tell us about the bunker or is that like state secret no 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 that's uh it's actually called the control center building control center building the bunker is. I'm, I know. I know you're an engineer. Yeah. I'm in the marketing side of things. The bunker is way cooler than control center. So, so I'm, <laughs> I'm an engineer, and I was actually the project manager working on you know building the building. And so the first thing we did was we dug this big hole, and we started building it up out of the ground. And so John Williams was the president at the time, and somebody was in a meeting with him, and they talked about that's some kind of bunker looking thing that you're building (laughs) and so the nickname started circling around Mm -hmm. the bunker and it just took off and so if you see one of our employees and you ask them about the control center building they're probably going to look at you a little funny because they even call it the bunker (laughs) but it's a it's this underground structure that has all like you're talking about reporting systems yeah it looked like a movie when you walk into it, and it's like got it's got maps of Jackson with all the different components on there. What role does the bunker play? Well, it's it's our location that all of our essential services uh, are, are located. And it's kind of an interesting story. In 1999, I was over operations at the time, and there was a tornado that passed by our office where the operations center was, which is one of the buildings out on the bypass. And so, you know. We kind of got through the storm and John Williams was in the office and we were sitting around talking about it. And he said, well, what would happen if this building had gotten blown away? And I said, well, I mean, I said, John, we, we would have got everybody back on, but it would have been a lot more difficult. Uh, we would have been going back to the old ways where we just had maps on the hood of a truck somewhere. And mm-hmm. It, it would have got done, but it would have been much slower. And he, he just said, you know, I, I just, I can't live with that. Mm. And so that was kind of the conversation and you've always heard this cliche about something got drawn out on a napkin. So we're sitting in my office and we kind of draw out all the things that we think need to be in the building. Mm-hmm. Our monitoring system, our call center, our phone systems, and all of our computer systems. Mm-hmm. So I kind of draw this thing out and 
So he and I kind of send these sketches back and forth over the company mail over the next two or three months. And the next thing I know, I get a call from him and says, I need you up here. And he said, we're going to build this and I want you to get an architect. And, and so the, the layout today is very similar to that same scratch pad that we sat down and scratched on after that 99 tornado that happened. That's amazing. And that's one of those things that people will never, very few people will ever see, but it helps build the sustainability for the utilities in Jackson. Yeah, the building's really neat because, you know, it's, it's made out of concrete, it's semi-underground, it has backup generators, it has backup battery supplies, uh, it actually even has its sleeping quarters in there. And unfortunately, I've had to, when we have a, you know, a big event, uh, one of the ice storms, I think we worked for 15 days, that we had mm-hmm. people without power for up to 15 days. So we worked some very long hours, uh, but the idea was to be able to have everything that's housed in there that would be secure, and no matter what happened, it would survive. Uh, the interesting story is, so we moved in in 2001, and the tornadoes that came through downtown were in uh, 03, mm. two years after we started there. And so the guys that were working that night, they, they knew there was weather coming, and uh, they never heard it, but it actually tore up the building right next to us, about wow. 100 yards away. And they never heard it, but they started getting all the alarms on our monitoring system. So they knew something was going on, but they didn't really know the extent of it until they kept getting phone calls that people couldn't get to the office because of all the debris in the downtown area. So it's uh, it's it served us well, and we hope it stands for many, many years to come. It's a pretty neat thing. And so, uh, plug, if you go to Leadership Jackson, you may get a tour of get, that. Get to tour it on with the Leadership Jackson group. Well, let's head into our first break, and we'll come back and we'll talk more about JEA. So between the Tennessee and Mississippi Rivers, this is R.R. Jackson. And we're back with Jim Farrell. He is the president and CEO of the Jackson Energy Authority. Uh, Jim, why don't you give us a little bit of a history lesson on JEA? So uh, the original utility was called Jackson Utility Division, or it was JUD. You can still see this some places on like sewer, uh, sewer um, covers and manhole like tops. Yeah, yeah. So uh, in 1959, uh, the city uh, at the time wanted to combine several of the utilities, and so they combined the electric division, uh, what was West Tennessee Natural Gas, uh, the water and the wastewater division, all under one. Uh, umbrella called the Jackson Utility Division. And so it operated from 1959 all the way up to 2001. And at that time, we were looking at doing some other things, and uh, John Williams was uh, the president at the time, and, and he saw some interest in getting into maybe cable TV, internet, and telephone business. So in order to do that, they created a private act, and this private act would allow them to get into what would be a competitive type business. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he went through all the process in the state legislature to do that. And so in 2001, Jackson Energy Authority was formed. And so everything was converted over to Jackson Energy Authority uh, assets then. Gotcha. Uh, what are the components? Uh, you mentioned during our pre-talk that there's a lot of different business units in JEA. Yeah. What are those? Okay, so we have electric division that mm-hmm. provides all the power, uh, natural gas, uh, propane, water, wastewater, and then we have telephone, internet, and uh, cable TV. And so each of those act independently, kind of? or Each one of them has their own independent set of financial statements. They all stand alone as their mm-hmm. own system. 
Now you do have some employees that kind of cross-pollinate and work for all the systems, but uh, each system has its own independent, and uh, so that money doesn't cross from the electric system mm-hmm. to the water to the gas or to the broadband. They're all each individual systems then. That's, that's an interesting way to structure things. Um, JEA is really involved in the city. Um, what, are, uh, what are some ways JEA gives back to our city? Well, we have, uh, you know, about 400 employees that work here. And, um, and that probably them, puts you near the top of... We're, we're not as big as something like the hospital or Pinnacle Foods or some of the larger, but uh, we're, we're probably one of the top or, you know, the, the higher top employers. 20 in or yeah, 30 probably. Yeah, I would say so. But, you know, we've always been very tied to this community. We were part of the city for the longest period of time. And so we try to give back through... Uh, Many of our senior staff and most of our officers are involved in some type of nonprofit, mm-hmm. and so we're tied to a bunch of the nonprofit agencies. Uh, you know, I sit on the board for Jackson Downtown Development, Carl Perkins Child Abuse Center. All of our uh, people throughout the organization are tied to those, and so anything that's really involved in helping our community—that's you know—that's part of our goal—is trying to be there for the community because we provide a service and we try to provide good customer service, but. You know, part of that's having a good community to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. What uh, What's the day in the life of the JEA CEO like? Well, like I said, there's there's so many different divisions. It's it's not just I'm not just working on electric today or mm-hmm. gas or you know cable TV or internet. It it, it goes from one thing to the next. Um, you know, we're heavily involved with the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I think one of my probably primary roles is to try to help with economic development. That's, mm-hmm. We want to see the city grow and, and develop. And you know, one of the ways we do that is keep our industry here very happy and then try to recruit new industry. Because if we can bring in uh, additional lines at existing factories or bring in new factories, then that means there's people coming into Jackson. Mm-hmm. We're pulling in, you know, right now, I think we pull from a lot of counties as far as workers. But our ultimate goal would be to have them come here and live here and shop and try to help our smaller businesses thrive mm-hmm. because they got to have the bodies to be able to do that. Absolutely. Well, what is, uh, how does, what is the utility, how does the utility work in that economic development side? Well, you know, if, if an industry is looking to come here, there's, there's two or three things that they're looking at. One is taxes. The other big factor for them is utility cost. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to help them understand our utility costs because it's, it's pretty complicated when you get into a large manufacturer and you look at all the aspects of their bill what does that look like mm-hmm. and we want to be sure that we're competitive because you know economic development we're competing against other cities very mm-hmm. similar to us all over the country and so we want our rates to be very competitive because it's not just you know we're not competing with other towns in west tennessee we're competing with other towns all over the united states mm-hmm. and so we want to be as attractive as we can to them and they want to be able to have a partner that they can work with because, uh, you know, our industries are changing all the time. They're seeing changes in their industry that, that we didn't see 20 years ago, and they've got to be able to react to that pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. What, as a CEO, what is one of the things that has made you proudest over the last year that JA has been able to do? The most, the proudest thing? Well... It's utility business is not like real flashy, and you don't see <laughs> yeah. a lot of exciting things going on. But you know, we try to upgrade our systems all the time, so that uh, you know the biggest issue we have is aging infrastructure. Mm. And so, if you're not constantly making upgrades to it, at some point in time, it'll catch up to you. 
And so we've been doing a lot of pretty major projects. We uh, installed a new uh, gas pipeline uh, this year, so that connects to another gas supplier. So now we have two gas suppliers that can feed natural gas into Jackson. Okay. Something you don't hear about, but it's no. a big deal. And then that introduces competition. That introduces competition. We've got two suppliers that are kind of jockeying back and forth on price, but also it ensures that we've got the capacity to do what we want to do many years from now because we don't ever want to be in the situation where a new industry comes in and they say, hey, we want to build this big facility and we're going to need all this water and power and you know internet capacity. We don't want to be the limiting factor that says, no, we, we don't have enough to do that. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, all the things that we're doing behind the scenes, you know, I'm, I've got an engineering background, mm-hmm. so it's kind of exciting to be sure that we've got the ability to do the things that we see game. coming down the road. Yeah, yeah, it's the ground. It's not the sexy stuff, no, but it's, it's not the, the things it's not that the, you got to do. It's not the long TD pass. It's the offensive lineman walking down the field. That's pretty much what it is. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about the culture at JEA. Mm-hmm. What... How would you describe that? And is it is it where you want it to be, or what's what's the status of that? Well, you know, we have always been a very customer focused culture. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime a customer calls in, we want to try to be able to fix that. And so I think that's something that was that was there when I came many years ago, and we're trying to foster that. That culture is still there; it's still very prevalent, but the way we interact with our customers is changing. Everybody now has a smartphone, they have apps, it's a different way of doing business. You know, in the old days, you got your bill, you came to the office and you paid your bill. We don't do business like that anymore. I don't think any businesses are doing that. So just trying to move with the changing culture, Mm -hmm. you know, and still be very, very customer focused, that's our our challenge. Mm All right, well, let's head into the second break, and we'll come back and we'll talk about what's next for Jackson and JEA. So from our front porch to yours, this is our Jackson. And we're back. I'm with Jim Farrell. He's the president and CEO of the Jackson Energy Authority. Jim, what's next for JEA? And I, I joked a minute ago that I don't know that there's a whole lot more exciting that can happen with electricity and water, but... You know what? What is next for JEA? Well, I think probably the broadband industry is is the biggest uh, change that we're going to see. You know, our internet uh, is is very good. We've got fiber to the home. We've got a tremendous capacity to everyone's homes, and so we're in the process of uh, changing everybody out to be able to have one gigabit speeds, which is tremendous as far as communication uh, mm-hmm. pipeline to, to get from point A to point B. So that, that'll be a big change for us. Uh, we'll be looking, uh, where does the internet go? Because mm-hmm. it's kind of what we struggle with every day is, is how, how is it going to change over the next 10 years? Because you look at the last 10 years we've been in the business, and we went from dial-up internet being the norm to you know, having gigabit speeds to your house. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, we're excited about that, looking forward to being able to, to, to provide that. Uh, our... We've seen our usage on the uh, internet, the broadband uh, capacity is increasing about every 18 months. It's doubling in mm. size. Wow. And so what you're seeing is more and more video apps. Everything now is tied to a video, whereas 10 years ago you were maybe getting an email or you might mm-hmm. get a picture or something like that. And now the data requirements are just getting bigger and bigger. That's, that's almost following Moore's law, isn't it? Like, is that computing power doubles every... 
Yeah, so, so we're having to get more and more capacity from our internet suppliers to do that. Uh, you know, there's a little company called Netflix. Yeah. And uh, that's about a third of our usage on our network. Wow. And so if you look at what they're doing, you know, they went from a probably a fairly grainy video now to these 4K, yeah. very, very high resolution videos. And the way Netflix works is it will download based on your capacity to, to handle that kind of speed. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to see a lot more usage from that as, as that continues. And plus everything else is using video too. Now I heard a rumor about Netflix that in the, in the bunker there's the entire Netflix library on a server. Yeah, so the way we kind of cheat the system a little bit is before, years ago, if you downloaded a movie, it actually downloaded from Netflix somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so it took, we had to buy capacity to be able to send all those videos back uh, to where we were getting internet from, mm-hmm. which was typically Atlanta or Chicago or Nashville. And so what we were able to do is work a deal with Netflix and they put a server in the bunker. And so they have majority of most of the typically used videos are in that server. Mm-hmm. And so we're not having to buy as much backhaul to the, mm-hmm. to the outside internet by doing that. And so they download it at night when there's not a lot of capacity on the system. They'll upload you know, into that uh, server, and so what you're hitting is the server at the bunker, and you're not having to go all the way to Atlanta or Chicago mm-hmm. or something. So it helps with speeds too, but uh, also it helps with our backhaul cost. That's a, that's a, neat, that's a neat component of, of that. And where does, what does the gig set up Jackson for Jackson's future? Like, what does that give us? Well, you know, you really didn't think about internet capacity 10 or 15 years ago. And to, today, I think everybody needs it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what you're seeing is more and more applications from your banking. Everything that you do in your day-to-day business now is tied to the internet. Mm-hmm. And our businesses are the same way. Businesses are doing a lot more where they may have an office here, but they may have a home office somewhere else. Yeah. So they got to have that connectivity to do that. So the internet has really kind of gone from a, a neat niche type market to an essential part of business these days. What the gig does is just kind of opens that door up for whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 20 years ago when we had industries coming to Jackson, they didn't even ask about communications. Yeah. 10 years ago it started showing up on some of the what they call requests for proposals. I think today it's about 30% of them. They want to know what kind of uh, communication tools you have in place. And you know the way I view economic development is if you're not checking every one of the boxes that they're asking for, you're probably not being looked at. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the boxes that you've got to check uh, in today's world to be competitive in that in economic development. Absolutely. Um, I heard there might be a JEA app coming. Yeah, you know... One of the things we see is the way we do business with our customers, like we talked about earlier, is changing. And there's you know a, a newer generation coming along that doesn't want to go to the office and pay their bill. They don't want to call in to do that. And so the app is the next way we can provide customer service, uh, hopefully do bill payments, mm-hmm. provide information about outages, uh, a lot of information about usage too. And so that's kind of where we're going with that to try to give uh, the customer more information about what's going on with their utility. Well, Jim, uh, 
thanks for joining us and I want to say thank you for uh, helping to make Jackson a better place and thank you for choosing to call it home. Well, thanks for having me. Enjoy. Today's podcast was hosted by Kevin Adelsberger. Our intro music was performed by Aaron Harden. It was recorded live at The Co. To find out more about The Co., visit their website at www.attheco.com. To find out more about Our Jackson Home and to read more about how amazing Jackson is, visit ourjacksonhome.com.